So did you guys uh, kill the fatted calf? Because the prodigal son has returned. That is true. I saw. I saw what you were doing there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at wow. that. If you break it down, it's a really that was story. That was sharp-witted <laughs> of you. <laughs> yeah. To just jump on that right away. Well, yeah. I, I saw where he was going with it. Hey, everybody. Shane's here. Welcome to all the classics. We're doing all the classic Back hits. That's right. Yeah. Is it different? How many times have I have I quoted that song on this show? Like many, uh, many times. Six and a half. Back. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. So 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 one of the times I was like, I'm back in the. Yes, so that's the actually half. did the back half, but we, you yeah. know, you're oh, back in an office chair. It looks the like saddle it. again. Yeah, right. Yeah, I do like this office. It was chair. Uh, it was around the, the time that we were using that. Um, uh, was it collective soul clip a lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, which reminds I remember, me. Remember, but by the way, like since I haven't been here in I don't know six weeks or so. Um, you know, the last time, at least six weeks, we recorded yeah. together was um, January of 2020, and then all hell went to shit, or however you say it, like all hell Something broke loose, all that. hell went yeah. to shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, just about six weeks later, world stopped turning for a little while, and that was two and a half years ago. So it's very good to see you guys. Yeah, same. Well, and as an update, uh, I brought the ham button tonight. So what is the ham button? <laughs> That's all it does. Wait, do that again? <laughs> Wait, you should have. Like, I just. I'm pretty sure I just blew a into the microphone. You should have. Hey, um. <laughs> yeah, I've just been sending this to everybody I know. So they're like, nobody ever says, "What is it and why did you send that to me?" They're just usually like, uh, "Thank you," and some people keep. Uh, please, hey, um. yeah. please send that to me. Is that is that like from SNL? I think it's from Thirty Rock. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll believe that. Anyway, same same building. Anyway, yeah, welcome back, Shane. Um, nice to be back. Lots of we should do. We could do a, um, you know, like a, like a, all the things that have changed since since Shane was last on the show. Like that was a long time ago. It was a long time. That ago. would not be a tight show. We could do. A, we could do a ceremonial uh, storming of the of Mark's living room, uh, in in honor of of January twenty twenty when you were last on the show. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah. that happened not long afterward. Well, and and more to the less meandering, but more to the point. Um, briefly, you have been in the studio. Did about to be in the studio. You're about to be in the studio. Yeah, in October. He's about to play a wedding. Also, I'm playing a wedding on okay. Saturday. You could just have That's them get married in the studio, life. knock all that shit out at once. Got a new kitten, uh, Larry, a few months ago. Larry, yep. And uh, his other cat, or one of them, I guess. Uh, has been humping blankets. Yes. Gremlin, and he's fixed. Gremlin humps blankets. He's been sick. Sick. Fixed. Fixed since he was six weeks old. Let me get my sea legs back on. There I you guess. go. Um, yes. He was humping my blanket. He's just in, enjoying doing that. He's 11 and a half years old, and that's what he wants to do now. There's and who am I to stop him, honestly? A lot of information. Seems to be here. enjoying himself, Should right? Start it? He seems to be enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, All right. Let's All right. get moving. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Kevin. Ryan. I'm Mark. And this is Shane. This is Somebody Likes It. Oh, hey, uh, we got another... A uh, nice note from uh, listener Michaela in in Los Angeles. 
Michaela, thanks again for uh, for the very kind note she gave. Actually, basically, she just gave us uh, an idea of somebody that she thinks we should listen to, who currently, I guess, is I'm not going to give away the, the name of the act because we'll go back and and do this. And who knows, maybe it's who Shane's got for the for the new thing. But um, this band is is currently recently open for Wet Leg and is getting ready to open for Snail Mail. So uh, kind of. Right straight down the middle, fastball for Kevin. Oh yeah, no, I was like, I was like, no pads needed, not even a helmet. Anyway, thanks a lot, Michaela. I'm definitely going to give them a listen, and we appreciate you, uh, appreciate you keeping in touch. Um, we've got stuff to talk about tonight, though, that is steeped in history and a little controversial. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there there. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Marvin Gaye's 1971 record, "What's Going On." Uh, and there's a lot to unpack. Um, well, unlike Marvin Gaye, I too had my uh, uh, political period. Uh, I didn't write any songs though; I just kind of felt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that. I had that going on. It was for yeah for about six months. I actually uh-huh. I went into a studio once, didn't record anything, just kind of looked around and then left. But I still felt political. Right. Well, yeah. You took did a you, stand. Did you bring in like a protest sign? Of some variety? Well, I so I bought some poster board. There's a place next door, and then I didn't have a pen, and so they had to lend me a pen. And so, yeah, then I sat down. And, and then and they kicked you out. You had, like, a yes. placard that said, free the people? Yes. Yeah, what I was the <laughs> I, I always, when you say stuff like that, it always makes me want to get you to tell your free the kitten story. But oh, yeah. Do that. Uh, have I said that on the show? Oh, uh, I'm sure. Many yes. times. Yes, right. many times. We'll leave it. Anyway, um, yeah, we're talking about Marvin Gaye's 1971 uh, protest record, which... Now, it kind of feels like, I mean, the songs that are that are most well-known off this album feel like they've just always been a part of the fabric of our lives, because they pretty much have. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it represented a real break in uh, the way that that those are, that artists you know, that were associated with Motown w- well, had recorded. Well, right. They had a little bit lighter material, uh, typically. Uh, and then and, Stevie and Wonder came along. Right. That's part of it, uh, you know. But protest songs, I guess, through the '60s had mostly been like folk based or whatever. But uh, no, Marvin Gaye goes and records a, a pr- like protest record, and it's still sexy. Uh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah. if you didn't know like what these songs were about, you could probably to quote Mr. Gaye like uh, get it on. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah. If you didn't speak English, but you just sort of like went by the overall the vibe. vibe. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, totally. I don't know. Shane, have you ever heard any of Marvin Gaye's songs? I have. Yeah. I have uh, very distinct opinions about this record. Do tell. All right. And I've felt this way um, since the first time I heard it, and every time I hear it, um, we'll, we'll focus on the good first, and then we'll, and then we'll go further down the line. Um, the album opens with undeniably one of the best songs of the 70s, or maybe even ever written. It's a great like, song. And then there's another Stone Cold, Stone Cold classic. classic, which is mm. Mercy, Mercy Me. Um, and it's got a pretty, it's got two other pretty good songs on it. And the rest of it is skip, 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 skip. It's so fucking boring. I don't need to hear Marvin Gaye do a spoken word thing about Pray for the Children. It's just All right. unbe- undeniably, unbelievably boring. Okay, I get your I get your point. I'm not finished. Unbelievably boring. <laughs> See, Mark has it. <laughs> yes, it was. Mark, do you, are you with me on oh, this? That, yeah, that song is. is it's rather so annoying. boring. It's just like, 
uh, it starts so strong with with uh, with the title track, and then it's just like, and then goes back. Up. Save the children. The second track. What, I no, don't know. What second is? track is what's happening, no, brother. Yeah, what's happening, brother? Is boring as shit too. Look, y- you know what I want this record to be. It, 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 it the themes that were over fifty years ago now are so important and mm-hmm. so relevant to what's going on in today's world. However, having said that, it's a fucking snooze. Like, other than the four songs on it. Here's here's the real question. Is Marvin Gaye the father of the slow jam? Kinda. Kinda, uh, right? Yeah. Like I feel like that happens a lot, where it's like it's like there's a song going, and then he just he just oh, decides baby, that it's time to start talking about it. You. Yeah. If if like, by slow jam do you mean like like the breakdown, like really yeah. slow down and go to sleep? Well, like no, really I mean I jam. we I mean we get it. Like right. we we follow where you're. Where All right, you're Shane. So your to your point, yeah. and, and like the way I typically get into a record where I feel like I'm like communing with it or whether it it's musically first, like always. And so when I listen to this, like without paying much attention to lyrics or whatever i was like pretty much exactly how you're feeling then i uh went home and i've got a decent speaker system like home theater thing going on with my tv i pulled up spotify on my roku and listened to it with the lyrics so i went at it backwards like paying attention to the lyrics and the lyrics made the music better for me well yeah the lyrics are what are most pertinent except on those you know, like put the trophy on your top of your TV songs. I mean, those songs are amazing, but um, come on. I mean, the it, I don't need to hear poetry when what I when I, when you start out with what's going on, like that song. You're like, fuck yeah, this is about to get really fucking good, and then it's just like, I, I understand your disappointment. I just thought it, lyrically it was strong enough that it it got Which, me over some of that. Which is funny for me, seeing as that you're not a lyric person. I'm not a lyric person. Normally, I don't even notice them unless the music's good enough uh, to to get me there to where I want to. But uh, the lyrics were so strong in this one that it helped out in the reverse way to where I appreciated the music more than I would have otherwise. But shoot. What is a trophy on top of your TV song? Well, you like know, mantle, like, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a mantle. Sure. I was like, I was like, what kind of trophy is it? What's the, it up there for? Like, like yeah. above, above <laughs> your, your tele, that's where you put your Grammys. That's, that's okay. where Shane okay. stores okay. all his now trophies. I'm, now I'm following. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Shane has an old school television. It's like a big, uh, a big boxy box. thing, and yeah. he just puts no, all his trophies TV, on top so of it. I was thinking like a, like a mantle it. piece, yeah. so Kevin was correct, so fine. I am, you know. All right. You guys want to hear a little bit of, uh, well, let's do the title track, because you got to. Uh, what's going on and what's going on by Marvin Gaye. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see what's going on. I dare say uh, that song is classic. What? Dare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's a bold statement. No, it's, it is. is. It's one of those. It's a song that sounds like it was uh, birth fully formed, like for right, like it never like, didn't exist, like and it just like only existed in its perfect state. 
Like, mm-hmm. and to your point, like I hear you on the on some of the other songs that don't land with you, Shane. But I think that song is it, it is is yeah. pretty classic. It is a perfect song. It is. Um, so it, it, I am assuming that the story is apocryphal, but in the uh, the documentary "Standing in the Shadows of Motown," m- many people attested to this that um, that Marvin Gaye was in the studio, was recording the song, and he didn't want anybody else to play bass on it except James Jameson. Which, why the fuck would you? I mean, obviously. Remind like, us who that is. The bass player. He what? didn't want anybody to play bass on the song. other than James then Jameson was the house bass player for Motown for years. And um, oh, I'll tell you what. Marcus Rice, that used to play bass for many for years in my band, mm-hmm. the first time I ever walked into his apartment, he had his bass set up t- on a mu- next to a music stand with a book on it that said, How to Play Bass Like James Jameson. Nice. I mean... And uh, yeah, it's it's he's like the bass player's bass player. Yeah. I mean, listen to him on that song. So they um, they uh, they they knew he was out. He was off for the night and they knew he was out drinking. So they went to every fucking single bar in the Detroit area till they found him and they found him. And he was so in this. He was at the last bar they checked. I don't know if he was at the last bar they checked, but they just kept going at. But that yes, that would be a, a, a part of the apocalypse. You wouldn't keep looking part. if you found him. <laughs> they would they, have they, to they finally the they bar. finally found him <laughs> drinking in a bar, and he was so fucked up that they got him back to the studio. And this is the story told in this movie has been told by other people, um, subsequent or prior to that, is that he was so fucked up. That he okay, they called him the claw because he only used his index finger to like pluck bass, and that he had to lay down on the ground. He couldn't sit up because he was so fucked up, and he did it in one take. So, if that's true, he truly is the greatest bass player in the history of of that's recorded impressive. music. It's not just impressive; it's insanity. I don't believe it, but I want to because that's a great story. It is a really good story. Yeah, I think, I mean, if anything, like I, it, I feel like a lot of the Marvin Gaye story at this point and the circumstances surrounding his life and his recordings have morphed into some sort of legend, uh, you know, like, and it's like, there is like, that go, some of those are, there probably is some mixture of tall tale and uh, kernel of truth and... And a lot of that stuff. Well, yeah, and it's a, fascinating. But a lot of this but record is really prescient uh, about his ultimate demise, because a lot of this, like uh, you know, there's a lot of overt religious uh, themes in it. But like by father, I feel like he alternates between like you know God and his actual father, right? Which are all kind of bound up because that dude was a minister. And uh, anyway, like it's it's just. If you just like, watch the the lyrics as the thing plays out, it's just spooky uh, how much that stuff comes up. Well, I mean, there's so much tragedy involved in his life. I mean, it's like, obvi- a, it's like a Greek tragedy or Shakespearean uh, or something. Well, like, I mean, obviously, in the fact that that his father ultimately killed him and had no respect with for him. a gun that he bought for his father for Christmas. Yep. Yep. I mean, but then be prior to that, you know, like uh, there was you know, all of the, the songs he did with Tammy Terrell and Tammy Terrell got yeah. cancer, I believe. And yeah, died in 24. Or is it Terrell? 
I don't. Terrell, I think. Tammy yeah. Terrell, I believe. I think it is. I Terrell. don't know. Well, let's yeah, just she's what 23? 24. 24. Yeah, and and then you know he was super famous with her, then had to reinvent himself, and then his brother with the whole Vietnam thing, and then reinvented himself with this record, and uh, that that Motown adamantly did not want to put out. Um, oh, I think Barry Gordy thought it was a bummer. <laughs> Which he's not well, wrong. Well, he's, <laughs> he's not wrong about that. No, but okay, so 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 uh, to go back to circle around to what I was saying earlier, like um, it's it it is a to steal the word from you. It is a kind of a bummer to me that it's so hard to listen to because the messages in the shit that he's talking about ring true. Fifty one years. It later. is heartbreaking all the way through how much I mean, of that shit like is the, still the case the inner city blues the last song on the record which is the best song other than like the two classics in my opinion it's so fucking nuts that we're fucking still dealing with this stuff you know barry gordy called uh called the what's going on mix uh quote the worst thing i've ever heard in my life but 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 see sonically the the it sounds amazing um, except for the, there's that one like I don't know the instrument like it's like a like a like a South American dude a washboard right it kind of it, it's not, I I don't know if it's I, a washboard like a or not. I was wondering that because like uh, that's the kind of shit you usually know is like those wacky instruments that are yeah it's just a little too loud in the mix like yeah. you know it's like panned hard and. Um, it's. I don't think it's a washboard, but I don't know the name of the stick thing. If anybody's listening out there, please. Shane's making a gesture us. like like I'm, the imaginary I'm, I'm, stick I'm, thing. I'm, I'm. 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 Well, I was doing the imaginary stick thing, and now I'm. I'm. I'm offering to the sky. Please let us know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like a washboard. It's a little too loud. But there, there are songs on. There are there are times in the words in this album that it almost disgusts me. That we're that we're worst going through that again, you know, so many years later. So this is really interesting. There was a there's a piece that was written like so the pitchfork thing that got written when this when this album got re released uh, semi recently, and uh, one of the, one of the things that they note here, then they just kind of throw this phrase away. But I think it's interesting because it's like the Barry Gordy thing and not wa- like liking the direction of it or. Like to your point, like maybe sensing that there was like a lot of melancholy in here, and it was just it was just off script for for artists. It just wasn't were, Motown's brand. It was not Motown's brand, and so but but then it says the, the, this piece of this part of this uh, paragraph says Gay sat idle for so he he just decided he was like I'm not going to record anything else for you guys if you're not going to put this out, and so. Uh, he sat around for months until his label, desperate to put this is the way that they read it, desperate to put out something, anything from its biggest solo star, finally eked out the single out under under Gordy's nose on January twenty first, nineteen seventy one. Now I don't know how that works. Like I did hear about, I have heard about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and then, and then it was a big hit. Immediately it went to number two, and he was like, "Oops, yeah." <laughs> like, see, but that's the promise of the record. You know, like it, you're like, oh, you, you go well, into it thinking yeah. you're going to be like in for a treat all the way and through. And then it's like, wait, okay, so you know, there are a lot of records that we've li- that we've talked about on the show and that we've listened to that um, talk a lot about. Uh, and when I when I come back and do my uh, my mixtape show, um, you'll hear 
a lot of these songs that that deal with a lot of um, the experience of people of color during COVID. And, you know, but they can still be entertaining songs to listen to. There's a lot of not entertaining songs on this song on this album. Fair enough. Uh, It does seem like. Some of it was just kind of like rushed off musically. It's a little bit of hubris. I kind of imagine him doing a lot of cocaine in the studio. It's like this is going to be great. We got to do it this way. No, it yeah. sounds like that clearly happened. But I, but this is and this is kind of interesting too. It's like so. There's a guy named Ben Edmonds who put out who put together an album history um, piece based on uh, on Marvin Gaye's work, and it's called "What's Going On Marvin Gaye in the Last Days of the Motown Sound." And the and the supposition here is that forty years of this is what the, what the Pitchfork article goes on to say forty years of ubiquity had made the title track commonplace, so it's easy to forget that the song was quote the most avant garde hit Motown ever had. And so when you think about it mm-hmm. in that in that sense, no wonder it felt so askew for. Well, it's pretty Gordon. far away from but, like four guys in suits doing synchronized dancing, right? You know, and harmonizing. Well, I mentioned Stevie Wonder before. That, that this album wouldn't have happened if you didn't have, I believe it was Songs in the Key of Life that came before, but I could be corrected on that. I don't have my notes in front of me. A bit like that or interview. Well, and, just and in, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, right around yeah. that time, like yeah. where he just got to do whatever he wanted. Marvin Gaye was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. and He and was competitive with Stevie Wonder for sure. Yeah, and definitely. it was like, he, it was during Stevie Wonder's golden period, right? Where it's like the guy just put together like three records in a row that are like, Untouchable, undeniably like, classic. Yeah. Don't tell that to Lars Gorenson. Lars Gorenson will just randomly text me these days and be like, "Fucking Stevie Wonder, why do you ever text me about him?" Ever? He just like can't, he just doesn't he, get him. He just does that's the not Swedish in him. Uh, I think I think it might be the Swedish. You guys need to tell the audience who yeah. that is. Uh, not, oh, oh, not Stevie oh, Wonder. It, it, Lars is a good is. friend of ours. He he's a producer here in town record producer record we producer. To another one yeah let's right. do another one uh yeah you brought it up uh why don't we get into inner city blues uh parenthetical want to make me holler Unfuckwithable. Oh Bl- yeah, blows me away. And, and is that a new word? Did you? Uh, you did you I come coined up with it that? just now. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. You know, Unfuckwith- you know. It's we've talked before how say. like how songs will get stuck in my head, and I think you said that you ha- you this will happen to you similarly. Somebody said that um, where songs will get stuck in your head for days. This bass line basically just it, it just set it up was, shop. It was, and it was just the <laughs> it was just the uh, music bed for everything. That Just was in my head this week. Pitched a tent in Mark's head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I was uh, like, I was even layering other songs on top of this bass line. It was just, I love this. Funk Brothers. That's the Motown house band. Yes. So you were correct. Anyway, and if that if that riff didn't sound like it just was born someplace where the Funk Brothers were present, like, I mean, it's got to be James Jameson because he never wanted to work with another bass player. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Did you guys never see that movie, Standing in the Shadows of Motown? It's like the 
It's, I saw a Motown documentary, but I think it was an officially sanctioned one. I um, saw uh, an off-brand one that was sh- standing in the shadows of the shadows of the guys with, from Motown. Yes. And so it was like a copy of a copy. It was really hard to make out. Sure, that's great. Yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway. yeah. I missed that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Bring it in. Anyway, uh, no, like, just, uh, just uh, like, it does sound like it's from the early 70s, but it also sounds like it sounds as fresh today it, to it me makes me want to put on a big specific collars? kind of leather jacket like shaft war but oh, that, yeah. that's like tan you know well at something i noticed mm-hmm. like throughout the record and maybe more like with the bass uh on that one rather than what also made me think of it, but a lot of this record feels like proto disco not necessarily the beat but like the strings and stuff those like you know kind of like a big complicated arrangements with all the strings that are just over the top for the night era well that's one of the cool things about what's going on is when out of nowhere that string section comes in like and mm-hmm. it's just panned to one side it's just like you're like what is this is i literally almost just said what is going on <laughs> yes. uh, you know par for the course but uh but yeah like that that sort of string thing just became like omnipresent in the 70s at some point uh, but lyrically, man, this song is fucking depressing. Like, yeah, this uh, this song, and I was gonna, yeah, I alluded to it earlier. Like, this song is musically fucking just all. I'm all on board with it. Um, but it definitely puts you in that claustrophobic space, kind of a little bit, like where you. Well, like, it's 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 just like you know, I can't fucking catch a break. That's what um, I'm saying. Yeah, like the absolute. And the music well, I've got like uh, the absolute rut of poverty and how it can feel like one can never catch a break. It's all rigged against them. Economics, racist cops, crime. It feels like an insurmountable burden, which is kind of how I, I wonder. Interpreted. Like I, uh, yeah. This is a weird parallel that I hadn't it didn't really occur to me until now. But I wonder if there, like, it's just a product of the time that you have similar things that are happening with Motown that are all that were also happening like in country music where it's like Nashville had a very specific like here's what you have to do to stay in bounds and put out something that we're gonna rubber stamp and it felt like and I guess maybe it's just because I thought like okay we can print money if we continue to do things within these little you know within right this but then you have space. these outliers like Willie and Waylon that were yeah like, just yeah, go do their own that. thing with yeah. no guarantees and Anyway, I thought uh, this is really interesting, and it kind of it kind of harkens back to the first track, but also um, everything else on the record. One of the things that happened here is it says that Marvin Gaye, you know, he sang in a four octave range, so he actually, f- specific to what's going on, originally recorded two different lead vocals for that song and layered them, and then he kind of liked how it sounded, so he just decided to do that on everything, and so. You get into something like this. Now, this is really dominated by that bass line and, you know. I think his falsetto on that song, actually, for me, that's really what... I love the bass line, but when you... Like, his singing is just incredible. I want to point something out. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, The difference between... And I agree with your sentiment, Kevin. Mm -hmm. But the difference between this song and Outlaw Country is in 1971... Waylon and Willie could have stayed in any hotel in the United States. Which, oh, sh- well, which sure. Begs of to course. What, you know, right. what I feel is 
a lot of what we're talking about. But I agree with the sentiment completely. It makes yeah. sense. Well, it, well just, my it, timeline it, might be a little skewed too. Well, no, like, no, no. We just, we're, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I, I think in, in in terms of 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 fucking with the music industry, just in and of that in and of itself, um, cannot agree more. And also, but I just feel like it, it should be pointed out that especially that song, like we're 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 what like. Five years away from from the Civil Rights Act at that point, so uh, what? About, yeah, six, five or six I think. years. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Well, and to be and like, if you want to take it a step further, without making this into a show that it's not, like, you're only a hundred years removed from the end of the Civil War, so it's like True. you're talking about like, like, like a blip barely, in history. Like, yeah, yeah, a blip in like it just takes time for for people to get their yeah. No, together. I'm not saying anything anyway. like to, to, I didn't want it to to. I just. In talking, the stuff that moved me and affected me about, you know, this album, you know, when I wasn't falling asleep uh, (laughs) during the, like, Pray for the Kids or whatever, Angels for the Children or whatever that fucking... Angels for the Children. I like that. (laughs) You sound... What you you should do is, like, do... You know how they have those, like... You make it uh, sound HSPCA like PCA commercials at Cerebro Glocklin and there's a dog shivering. You should try to figure out one where, like, there's, like... You know, angels for the puppies. That's Mark's. I, I uh, thought that you were uh, comparing me to a starving, shivering puppy. No, no, I'm saying that you have a good idea puppy. that I would like for you to run with. <laughs> It'd be way more exciting than in the arms of a million thousand times. You know, you're watching like a baseball game. All of a sudden, it's fucking a shivering dog and Sarah McLaughlin again. Yeah, I, uh, I can't watch those. I, I don't. Save the shivering fucking dog. <laughs> yes. yes. No, no, see, Pay that us would money. be a commercial I would watch. I would watch and probably contribute yeah. to their fun. If he dies, it's your fault. <laughs> That's right. I would fucking watch that <laughs> shit, dude. Just, uh, must the get right to the point advertising. Yeah. Um, we may have derailed the show. Yeah, maybe. All right. Oh, well, we derailing yeah. the show. I'm so, back. That's should right. we uh let's I mean we're kind of at the midpoint here. Should we let's jump off and a do few minutes with into the middle. Okay. Okay, so my original idea was oh, by the way, welcome to the middle of the show. My original idea was that I was going to pick a song from the year that Marvin Gaye died, and just as a as a means of eighty four, I believe. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that I was reading uh, songs that were interesting hits from uh, around that time, and I found one that I really like from nineteen eighty three. So he's still alive. Close, close, enough, close enough. Yeah. 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 We're gonna call it a, a yeah. Uh, his days were his, numbered. His passing adjacent. Yes. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, we're, so we're gonna we're gonna listen to uh, a track that uh, that I, I always get a kick out of, which is the oh, um, uh, like the modern English song "I Met With You." Stop the world and melt with 
not a lot going on in that video. Like, not a that's lot. A, that's a very 1983 video. It is it totally is. a 1983 uh, video. Also, did somebody put out a cigarette on that dude's arm? I was going to say, like, what the... Is, is it a boil? I what is, what is it? I know, yeah. He's he looked like... at it or something. He it, needed medical attention. Yeah. The, the one thing I did notice in that video is that there was definitely an homage to the pre-MTV... Bohemian Rhapsody video mm-hmm. where Queen. Oh yeah, with the the four the faces. Di- yeah, yeah, so they had the five and something set up like that. That I'll tell you this. I'll get tired of the song. We'll listen to it for a while. Comes back. I'm like, that's pretty damn good. It's song. a pretty damn good yeah. song. I always get those guys confused with Simple Minds though too. I get them confused with Bad English, which was an <laughs> offshoot of uh, Journey. Yeah. Um, you could do an all English, they, they like, modern uh, English. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like, we're not close. No, no. What, I can't remember. Song. Which but was the one that you, you uh, your old band opened for at the back room? Was that Simple Minds or Modern English? Uh, it was Modern English. Okay. And the the singer was uh, very glad handy and like, thought he was very funny. But a lot of dad jokes and stuff. This is like what? Like 90s, right? Years ago. Was his yeah. arm okay? Um, well, he survived. <laughs> it was an entirely different band except the uh, singer. And I will say one more thing about that song that uh, every time I hear it, I'm just like, the drums are so great on that song. No, That's the drums make, make that track. The drums yeah. make that song. Um, I, uh, I'm just like, dude, every time I'm like, when it goes to the toms, I'm like, I could just hear them yelling at him in rehearsal. We don't want that. We want and He's like, nah, fuck that. Or be like, <laughs> that he's, 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 he's like, like he's like, now nah, <laughs> fuck that! I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on some drums here. <laughs> well, you're gonna, you're gonna listen to it. What's, what, that's, that's, that, I'm pretty sure that's the act. Oh, what's, sure. What's yeah. Particularly impressive that. about like good drum sound is like if you've ever been to a, a rehear or a recording session, uh, drum miking is about like watching paint dry. Uh, it takes like an hour it's and a an half, art. two hours. I've learned over the years. To never show up until drums are white. Oh my god, it's so boring. It's and like in the control, like once dung, the mics are placed, dong, dong, yeah, dung. yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it, so here's the, the the first the other thing that occurred to me is that like unlike Shane was saying uh, throughout the break, and I was giving you a hard time, but like that this is one of the songs that you're going to play in this upcoming wedding that you're going to do? I am I? playing a wedding yeah. on Saturday. Stephanie yeah. Compstock and, and, and Greg, Greg Schroeder. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Now they have a reason to listen. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Finally. So, but, right, exactly. We'll put we're it just, up by their, by their one-year anniversary. This, this is what we're going to do. Like, it's, We're just going to get our listeners two at a time. Uh, but the, but the <laughs> gist is that unlike some weddings I have been to where there have been songs – that people think are romantic, but when you listen to the lyrics, they're actually not that at all. Every breath you take, as one of them, sure. Or that extreme song that where that girl did the more than words, dance. and he's just trying to get laid. Oh, it was just I was like, oh god, I, was, I, was that, like, yeah, I remember the first terrible. time. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. Well, it, anyway, the, the 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 gist of this is that that when you listen to that song, it sounds like oh, okay, that's cool. Um, that I'll, I I love you forever. I'll melt with you. Blah blah blah. Anyway, come to find out that that song was written because I guess there were a bunch of power outages in Great Britain at that time, and because they had to use candles, it made uh, the guy that wrote the song uh, think about nuclear war. Apparently, which it feels Go like on. a stretch. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It's like ninety nine Luft balloons. Yeah, kind of. And he said, uh, and so the song. Depicts a couple making love while an atomic bomb is dropped. 
Oh, I get that totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, oh, it. sure. It's, it's yeah. obviously it's as one evident. does. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing about that is that, um, well, number one, they don't know I'm playing that song, but number two, they will by the time they hear this yeah. in a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number two, they're letting me play like Pixies songs. And good. Stuff like that, oh so. yeah. Um, I w- I will say one more thing about this song before we get off this. So the first time I ever heard that song, I was in high school and there was a um, quote unquote new wave station out of San Antonio. And that's the first time I heard like the lightning seeds, you know, like early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I heard that song. I was like, this song is so cool. Never heard this version of it. And it was on a on an album called Pillow Lips that I believe came out in 1990. And they re-recorded that song, their only hit, and put it on this album, Pillow Lips. And I think they had a little resurgence in it. Recently, uh, by recently, I mean within the last five years, I'm like, does that song stand up to the original one? Because I liked it when I first heard it. But this one is the one you know. Listen to it. Not a minute into it. I'm like, nope. (laughs) Well, well, I don't know if this... um if this is how this song broke, but I first heard this song uh, on the soundtrack to, to Valley Girl. Yep, that's where I was going. Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, it came out I- in 83, so I would assume that uh, that movie maybe had a lot to do with the commercial success. I oh, think yeah, that it yeah. did. A yeah. lot of that stuff did. So did uh, the, the Frank Zappa song, Valley Girl, was that on that soundtrack? That or? was a Moon Unit Zappa song. Well, she she did the like gag me with a spoon, but I think it was actually credited to her father like, on it? one of his records. Was yeah. it? Yeah, I believe so. Was it? Yeah, I don't I don't know <laughs> that that was on the soundtrack. Uh, you know, I'll say one more thing: when people say Nick Cage instead of Nicholas Cage, I always think Nick Cave in my head, and then I always think how I, much I would more watch Nicholas Cage in the bag bad seeds. Uh, like, <laughs> no, well, both. If you flip the book, Nicholas Cage in the bad seeds. But they, can you imagine like Nick Cave and Valley Girl, or like <laughs> ni- like Nick Cave and like uh, Face Off, or you know, whatever? <laughs> That's a terrible movie, by the way, which I saw in a theater. I saw it in the theater too. It, it's <laughs> preposterous. Yes. All right, we should wind our way back to Marvin Gaye. All right. Going on. One other thing, and I don't know what what you have picked for the last song, but um, when I f- the when I was a kid, I was introduced to Marvin Gaye, and I always thought he was an amazing singer, but I didn't like get the Motown stuff and and when I my first apartment when I moved into Austin I was 18 and uh Chris Big Daddy mm-hmm. um had uh the best of Marvin Gaye which we all are familiar with he's in the red leather jacket on the cover of it I'm sure you've seen it um it's still all you can find it um and I could not stand any of that album except and now I like a lot of it but I loved uh, Mercy, Mercy Me. And as I got older, it's a little heavy-handed with lyrically content-wise, but so important for what we've gone through since then. I mean, you know, like... like And and it only because, like, it transformed uh, the way I view the song 
having like interpreted what it's actually about. That is going to be the other set uh, selection, but we don't need well, to go there the just other yet. Stone fucking cold classic well, right. on that. But I just wanted to comment um, on that because it wasn't the lyrical content that got me. It was the melodic content that got me uh, initially when I was eighteen because I used to like you know who fucking knows or pays attention to you know global warming or or pollution or shit like that when you're 18 like you don't fucking give a shit don't quite have the grasp on it everything's going no, just fine no, no. At that point we haven't really talked about uh this but ryan passed around a link to the pbs documentary uh on marvin gay and i know that i watched it all the way through it sounds like mark watched it all the way through and i did not did. watch it it was when i was under the weather a little bit my more. my favorite well we'll just uh, uh share in part or share or whatever but anyway uh my favorite part and I feel like not enough was made of this, was that uh, for a while, when he was down on his luck, uh, he lived in a bread van in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there's a picture I of him standing. of this. Yeah. Like, I, what, well, what, I know. What nobody ever talks about would this, have this would have been, and my guess, uh, probably late 90s, early 80s, like like prior, well, obviously late prior. Late 70s, early 80s. That's, sorry, late 70s, 70s or whatever. 80s. Um, he did have a would have been yeah, it would have been like that the period between uh, like I, well like leading up to uh, sexual sexual healing. healing yeah which by the way did I, I just say healing uh, prior healing. prior to going to Belgium and and getting away from all the bad elements and then putting sexual healing together he lived in a bread van in Hawaii for a little while so check it out uh, I took a lift like about a week ago or so and uh, this woman had on like a like a soul. The channel, I think, through like satellite radar or something. I was like, it kind of sounded like Stevie Wonder. So we got kind of got on to like uh, talking about just music. And I mentioned that, you know, we're going to be doing this on our podcast or whatever. And she goes, You know, I got pregnant to a Marvin Gaye song. I go, Was it sexual healing? She said, Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so She'd she, be like, No, it was one of the filler tracks, The Chain Hates. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, how children. do you know Shane? Something That's for the children, weird. for the angels, for the children, or whatever, man. I don't Evidently, know. yeah, she doesn't. She, Look, she loves her daughter, but not crazy about the father. I, I yeah. told this to Derek. Like, if this album were an EP, it would be a perfect record. Just take, you know, Mercy, Mercy Me, What's Going On, and Inner City Blues, and the other one with the with the washboardy sounding thing. Just, just, you know, just do that. Yeah, just do that. Let's just do those. Yeah. And I don't need to hear Marvin Gaye's spoken words. I feel like I'm talking yellow to the dead, and I'm not. I'm a huge Marvin Gaye fan. He is le legitimately one of the greatest singers of the 20th century. In my Those opinion. pipes, like singular, he can do anything. like anything. Yeah. Well, and I, I really think he was just spot on. Just I, I'm gonna beat this dead horse as long as I can. Like just lyrically, he just like just was in the zone. Um, like fl uh, flying high in the friendly sky, it's all about like being, you know, under yeah, the. Unfortunately, addiction. that song sucks. Well, it's it's not, you know, a hundred percent great. I think it has a nice bridge in it. Well, I mean, the, and the thing that we're not really saying here is that it, like, if you're in your auteur phase, who's to say that all your ideas are good? Like, I think That's it's a fair statement. I think it's totally unless fair. unless you're Paul McCartney. Well, yeah. right, maybe right. So, yeah. so the other thing that I think feel like we'd be Outright. remiss if we did not bring up was his father. Like we. I mean, we've mentioned that, like, yes, that certainly what happened to him. Uh, yeah, it's a matter demise, of But, record. like, it, yeah. they had the weirdest, craziest relationship. They kind of hated each other. Uh, his father was a cross-dresser and a minister. 
Um, I was going to say, like, yeah, that I was just about so to point out both of those things. Yeah. Uh, Fucking he, crazy ass shit. Yeah, he and he got shit, you know, from all his for buddies. Everything, but yeah, he got he changed the spelling father. of his last name so people wouldn't, you know, connect him with like, you know, his dad's being a cross dresser, and so that somehow that makes him gay or so. I don't know. But he, uh, but he, oh, no pun intended. Um, but uh, but his father like distanced himself more and more as Marvin got more and more successful. Even though the more successful he got, the more that he paid for his father's shit. Yeah, he was the breadwinner. And his dad was embarrassed by that. Right. Well, and it was also one of those deals. And I feel like this is something that happens. Like we we I have I've gone on the record as saying part of the reason that I think that Michael Jackson ended up being famous was that he had to wait in line for the bathroom in a really tiny house in Gary, Indiana. Um, Similarly, here it was that the sort of hard upbringing and the withholding of of love and appreciation from his dad which he desperately craved which it sounds like he never really got and i i it feels like at at least that was his override that was the overriding principle that seemed to guide their relationship was that his his dad would pull back and he would well he seemed to know like be reaching out and it's like uh in the song god is love like it it's one of those things where it kind of alternates between like the well fine uh like the you know uh christian concept of a father and then like his actual father and there's a quote that i excerpted here says uh don't talk about my father he's good to us which is just fucking awful incorrect like, well actually yeah, well, like, <laughs> ultimately yeah. I mean, yes. ultimately no but um, I, it's just crazy to me like the, the whole dichotomy between like you know i'm famous but I, I guess you say that a lot of artists like trying to please his father but then at, at the same time the flip side too is um hey you know what i'll pay for everything for you i'll buy this house for you i'll buy a gun for you that'll that uh, spoiler alert that comes back in the third act right. and um you know everything and the more he gave check off nature of this story yeah. correct yeah and the but the more he gave his father uh you know wealth and home and stuff like that the more his father ran from him because he was embarrassed that he wasn't the provider and it's just uh, like you said shakespearean tragedy well i mean it was it was that and his father didn't approve of well like secular the music secular industry that's, that, that's and true the too. lifestyle and all of that right but and so which makes it even more ironic that he was a cross-dresser but you know uh, religion whatever so they fucking like make their rules up the so, well, kevin go ahead yeah i going. was just gonna say like, one of the things that we talked about in either the first or second episode of this show that we ever did was the fact that in order to 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 achieve a certain level of fame like a lot of people just have to have to blow past the guardrails that a lot of other that other people don't ha- like have to keep themselves from trying things to put themselves in a vulnerable position mm-hmm. and i feel like that rings familiar to me with this story because he was so tortured by his relationship with his dad that he was willing to and he just happened to also be phenomenally talented so it's like you can't take that out of the equation but it's like he was he was in an extreme situation a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, so was yeah. so was his dad. I mean, obviously, uh, it's got to be a conflicting situation to feel like your calling is both the ministry and cross dressing. I mean, one would assume. I, I, I would assume that, but I mean, maybe that had a little bit of that's where his truth was on his, yeah. you know, 
I, I think I think ultimately it, it boils down to the fact that his dad and, uh, you know, of course, just very mild speculation uh, not to do a deep dive or anything. But his dad was embarrassed. His dad was embarrassed by him. His his success. I, th- I think there's some of that. Sure. Uh, so I didn't realize so today I, I read a little bit more on it, like uh, specifically regarding his death. Like uh, Marvin Gaye apparently had tried to kill himself like a week before this. Uh, he had jumped out of a speeding uh, car. Uh, that's the first I've ever heard. And of that. like, really, just was wasn't all that banged up, and like, had been so miserable and vocal about it. Like his sisters or sister, I don't know if it's one or more, but like, uh, was like, uh, oh no, this was a suicide, really, because like his father had been vocal about like, if any of my kids ever touch me, I'm gonna kill them. Yeah. Like he would say it out loud. And so his parents got in a big fight about, like, insurance yeah. papers or something. And so he just got real physical with his dad. And his dad did what he always said he was always going to do. Yeah. Shot him in the heart. Yeah. Um, but let's not, let's not forget that his dad basically was unpunished for it. No, he got, like, probation. He got uh, voluntary manslaughter and probation. Yeah, he basically was unpunished for... Um, Going into the house, getting the gun out of the drawer, going up to his son and shooting him in the fucking heart. I mean, that is a miscarriage of justice. Well, I mean, a lot of what they were saying at the time, if I remember correctly, was, you know, he was old. He did, well, he did seem remorseful. He said uh, multiple times. Like, Great. I, I, if remorse I, got you out of everything. Well, I right. Mean, we wouldn't have overflowing prisons. I'm not saying it justifies his sentence. Uh, Nothing justifies that sentence. No. All right, uh, kids, well, let's get into the other Stone Cold classic on here, uh, Mercy, Mercy B, and we will get into its content uh, after a few bars of it. Whoa, oh, mercy, mercy me. All things ain't what they used to be now. Where did all the blue skies go? Absolutely beautiful and also heartbreaking again. I could literally listen to that song on a loop like a million times. Well, you're going going into like the bass, but it's that little guitar. It's uh, just a perfect song. Yeah. I mean, I I said it at the top. There's two Stone Cold classics, and that's one of them. Well, and I I just didn't know until, you know, the last couple weeks that this is about like pollution and like uh, fish full of mercury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Poison is the wi- uh, poison is the wind that blows from the north and south and east. Oil wasted on the oceans and upon our seas. Fish full of mercury. Like it's just, and the shit's still going on. It's still going on. And that song was written over fifty years ago. Yeah, was was about like ten years out from Rachel Carson publishing Silent Spring when that thing it started to become a thing. Well, it's, it was, it's fucking evident. Yeah. You know. Uh, but it's still sexy. Like, that's a fair statement. Uh, like, he can make the most, you know, horrific shit sound like, you know, you could get down He's to it. He's Marvin Gaye. Uh, yeah. He had something going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pun intended. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, because that would be the second time you watched. We need a sad trombone there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ham. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- th- all of that's true. Um I don't know. I think 
uh, it's also that song's also kind of breezy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it has an easygoingness to it that yeah. is like a cool, r- relaxed. Yeah, if you're not oh, paying attention, you like, think it's pretty chill. With the lyrics. And, then, as, and that's as, how they yeah. kind of sneak in there. And as get Shane you. pointed out while like, we were listening to it, it, it's almost yacht rock. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Ooh, the little Michael McDonald. Yeah. You mm-hmm. cannot tell me that Michael McDonald was not influenced well, by a Martin very Gale. soulful white man. Uh, I keep forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> not in love anymore. Yes. All of it. Um, Ryan, was this your record? It was my record. I mean, in a manner of speaking. I picked it. Yeah, good. I didn't do have anything to do with making it. No, you did not. It would be kind of remarkable if you did. I, yeah, I, I had not quite entered this mortal coil yeah. just yet. Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about the new thing. Who's got the end? Uh, if you guys will let Jane? me come back. Um, uh, so a couple of things I want to say. Well, normally when we go to uh, current affair, uh, we don't really discuss it. But I just want to say this is how I came across this song because it is not normally in my wheelhouse of shit that I listen to. But I had several people in the last two weeks independent of each other text me and say dude you have to fucking cover this song and i'm like whatever 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 and then i listen to it and i'm like oh this is i have to cover this song <laughs> so it's uh the most recent harry styles song uh as it was and um that is definitely not normally your wheelhouse uh have you guys heard it i don't think I'm, I have. I'm, a, I don't I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you reserve judgment on it till you hear it because i think you're you're thinking just like I was when somebody told me it's Harry Styles, but we'll see what you think after. Answer the phone, Harry, you no good alone. Why are you sitting at home on the floor? What kind of pills are you on? Ringing the bell, and nobody's coming to help. Your daddy lives by himself. He just wants to know that you're well. I was almost going to say, why don't we listen to this song without the video? Because I knew that the video was going to be stupid like that. But that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was fine. Love uh, the song's song. good, though. The song is fucking yeah, great. The song's terrific. It kills, man. Like, yeah. the first time I heard it, like, Skyler was like, my wife, uh, Matt, okay, so uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, at 6 fucking 15 in the morning, Matt Munoz, uh, Frequent guest, mm-hmm. longtime friend of the show, texted me. He's like, and this is these are the first words in his text. He goes, "Okay, hear me out." <laughs> and I was like, "No." Hey, first thing is like you guys when I say Harry Styles, I'm like, "No." And then uh, somebody else texted me, and then Skyler, I uh, came home and I was like doing some work around the house, and she was like, "Hey, so um, I really think that you should cover the new Harry Styles single." And I was like, "Why do people keep telling me this?" And she's like, no, let me play it for you. She played it, and then I wasn't really paying attention, and I was like, yeah, that's a really good song. <laughs> like, there's some aha in it, and so, it, you know what it sounds like? Mid-period of Phoenix a lot to me. Oh, I could hear that, um, yeah. Um, but what a fucking great song. Yeah, it's like, a real, it's a banger. It, it is a solid fucking pop song. Um, 
and it's basically about like it's you and me against the world, babe, kind of thing. No, I, I mean, no. If you listen in there, like he, he, it's saying it's you know it's not as it was, and then it, there's a line there, like he prefaces his own name. He's like, you know, Her- it's like it sounds like fame had caught up to him, and he's like, you know, Harry, blah blah. blah why are you, why are you sitting on the floor? What kind of pills are you on? Like, mm. and then like. um I don't know. Go back and listen to the lyrics. Those lyrics are good. But, I mean, who needs lyrics, like, in, with that a melody that's just, just a pretty, like, shimmering pop confection. It is just chef's kiss. There's, there, It's perfect. And it's, like, two and a half minutes long. And, like, yeah, and nothing else I've ever heard from him has sounded remotely that good. That uh, song, again, I bring this up over and over again, but I'm going to put it out there again. It's like that, uh, damn it, I'm... I never remember the name of the book that talks about all the Swedish songwriters, but the the idea is that uh, that really really good songwriters are able to turn out hits that have the same sort of earworm idea as snack food, which is like I heard that song once and I was like I could listen to that ten more times. I I, like, I, I have actually listened to that ten times today. Yeah, oh, probably eight times. Yeah. I, I what right. are you like in a British boy band or something? What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't remember what take it was. Take that. Take that, maybe? Yeah. Or is that an older <laughs> one? I don't know. No, no, One Direction. <laughs> one Direction. Take that was from the 90s. Same diff. That's man. how fucking yeah. old you are. And <laughs> yeah. I am. Right. No, One Direction. But I mean, you know, the dude is funny. Like, I saw him on SNL doing, like, a years ago, doing an impression of. Um, of Mick Jagger, that was spot on and really funny. I was like, Good. "Dude's funny. He's he's got talent." You know who's not a fan of this dude? Uh, no, uh, Gal- no Gallagher. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is not a fan of that dude. Oh, I'm sure that both of those things are true. Um, yeah, I read that about Noel here. Like, he's not really a songwriter. Who gives a shit, Noel? Your last fucking four Oasis records sucked. I'll take that one good goddamn <laughs> song. <laughs> Gloves are it's, off. It's a counterpoint time. <laughs> You know, well, that's probably an argument you didn't see yourself making in the future at, at, some, at some point, no, like well, citing yeah, against look. Oasis towards Harry like, Styles. OK, so I met this dude um, uh, uh, years ago. He was a journalist from Boston. We, I think we met him together and he was he was talking about the Oasis record that had just come out at the time. And he's like, yeah, I was talking to uh, another journalist friend of mine and there was a quote from a producer and he's like, um, that last Oasis record went down in the toilet with a with a million eight balls of cocaine, right? Like, and which they all admit to now. Was that the dude who wrote for Details that we met? No, that's a different guy. All right. Anyway, anyway so yeah, good song, yeah, right? Yeah. Love it, love it. Big, f- big fan. Yeah, good, good pop stuff. So I wanted to I wanted to pick that before you guys had heard it because I knew you were going to have this, the visceral reaction that you did and then listen to the song and like. That's a good fucking well, it's song. It's not Ray Stevens. Like, bring that all day. Like, I'm fine with. <laughs> I'm fine with <laughs> oh, that. Now, yeah. now you streak? got my, Now you got my wheels turning, son. <laughs> yeah, right. Try to call him the streak. Anyway, um, so so now that Shane is back, and um, it would actually be your turn for for our next selection, but uh, you have something special kind of planned for us. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do? So when we, I want to do a mixtape show, but I pick all the songs. Um, and so it's going to be the 12 best, most listened to pandemic songs because I'll, of Shane Bartel, of, Shane, of Shane's me. 12 favorite pandemic. Songs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I had to go back in because Shane like, gets to program the jukebox. I'm programming right. the jukebox. This right. time. But, um, and it's, it, a lot of it's because I literally have been locked down, um, that entire time. I've done nothing but listen to music. 
I have I think there's a lot that you guys will be surprised by, some that you will love and some that you might not love as much. But um Well I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. All right. So we'll do that next go around. Uh I guess until next time, I'm Kevin. Ryan. Mark. And Shane. This is somebody likes it.